we've grown up on products uh, of Bedrath, so we, that needs no introduction. But just walk me through at a personal level. You've been, you've done your great schooling, education, and you got involved in the business. Then you spent some time with, with McKinsey outside. Uh, what kind of triggered this move, and what was the kind of you know? things are always there one is your lineage is is it tells me that you you've been grown up on on this and of course uh, wellness and ayurveda uh, but there must be something which triggered you know i can actually change it a little in a different manner so maybe walk me through at a personal sure. level amev what sure. what what i mean for you no absolutely uh, so uh, rajiv when i so i did my undergrad in the us and i came back to india and then i worked in the family business for almost about 6 years right uh my stint in the business the first four years were very operational right uh, but the last two years what we realized is that as the family is getting larger right so i am third generation in the family right uh, in my father's generation there were couple uh, there three four people right and then beyond that it's getting larger and larger and larger right so the idea was to kind of uh, have family step back from management and bring in a professional management to run the company right so the model now and model now is that we have a ceo We have a CFO, we have a CMO. They run operationally run the company completely, and then there's a group of family members who do monthly review meetings, right? So the involvement in Bednath was reduced significantly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a concerted effort because you know, end of the day, even though there might be one person in the family who is well suited to do something, right, or mm-hmm. there might be a couple of people who are both right, but end of the day, within family, it becomes a challenge, right? And who are you going to listen to, right? Where I was not required much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I'm the kind of person who works 12 hours a day. So you know, mm-hmm. working one day a week was not really an option. Uh, so I, I was saying, what next? And funnily mm-hmm. enough, uh, you know, I, Ayurveda was not the obvious answer, right? So I was like, okay, I can do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what should I do next, right? So my, uh, so I thought, okay, I've done my undergrad. Let me go do my MBA and let me get some outside work experience, right? That's something which I always felt that I was missing. So I had got a job in New York. and after my undergrad but you know at that time i was required in the business in the family business right so i came back but i've always wanted to work outside for a few years so went mm-hmm. out decided to do my mba so at that time i had met uh, uh, who's my current co-founder shreth shreth who a friend and we got talking and we both wanted to kind of start something new right so we both said okay let's quit our jobs and let's start a new business but then the question came up what are we going to start mm-hmm. so we started free balling ideas We started talking about you know uh, should we look look at food should we look into the restaurant business should we look at making a fund because uh, he was from private equity and I understood FMCG to some extent a lot of things were thrown about finally the idea we kind of came to was for multiple reasons right so the reason we chose Ayurveda again right after uh, everything was first of all the opportunity was huge right uh, felt that uh, right now if you look at India, you look at global, look at the world. Everybody is moving towards natural, moving towards herbal, right? So there was a definite tailwind, and there was definitely a advantage that I had coming from my background and my knowledge of the market and my knowledge of sourcing, right? The other two points were the second point was more around, uh, you know, there was always a vision I had for Vedna, right? Mm-hmm. Of catering to a younger audience, you know, of. Okay. Uh, being more innovative in our product uh, selection you know <clears throat> and also going down a path which is closer to the way i consume ayurveda at home right 
in okay. Ayurveda for me at home is much more in my daily life, right? And end of the day, what is Ayurveda? Ayurveda is good nutrition. And that's when it's mm-hmm. most effective. You know, that when you eat Ayurveda before, that's when it's most effective, not after. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. where the whole kind of dream of kind of Kapiva came from, right? And uh, we started we started initially with a, our own store model, but we realized that wasn't a very uh, scalable model and the FMCG model made a lot of sense. So roughly around early 2018, late 2017, we launched what you see today as Kapiva. You chose a slightly different approach than the than Bedinath. Okay, I mean Bedinath is positioned traditionally. It comes out traditionally. I mean, if you hadn't told me that you have a new set of people, I mean, I, I identify Bedinath, you know, and the way we grew up. I mean, I used to have uh, Avla and Avla Kamurabha and all of these things every day, and and that was with a view to actually make it more appealable, relevant to a different audience to probably, you know, if I tell my kids to have, you know, Avla and Ayurveda, they, they kind of turn their nose up, you know, and, and, and fact of the matter is my daughter actually now gets flax seeds, you know, because they are packaged differently. And, you know, if I tell her to have flax seeds the old way, she will just say no. Uh, so t- tell me a little bit about that as to how that uh, thinking came. It's only because you guys were in the same kind of generation. Uh, how did that? Did you do some testing? Did you talk to your friends? Did you talk to the market? How was that? So, so you know, actually, funnily enough, uh, the, you know, I would love to say that it was just the, you know, all professional, like a great study we did and it came out of that. But it actually came out of experience, right? So when we launched, so like I told you, before we launched Kapiva in its current version, we launched a physical store, right? In the physical stores, we had a bunch of different products, right? Uh, what we very quickly found is that the second you put Ayurveda in a food format, right? People are much more willing to try it, right? If I, I tell see. a 25 to 30 year old, right? That, uh, hey, you know what? Here's a capsule. He's like, but I'm not sick, you know? But I'm like, here's a churan. He's like, are you mad? I'm not going to have a churan. How am I going to eat this? Right? <laughs> right? So, so, the younger generation was not interested in the traditional form factor and the so-called even modern Ayurveda, which is a pharmaceuticalized version of it, right? Capsule. Uh-huh. What we found, at the second, it was in a food format. They were like, yeah, yeah. cool. You know, I'll have a shot of juice in the morning. Not a big deal. Right? It's part of my, part of my diet. Because they're used to doing things like that, you know? Because the West is actually... It's really funny though, if you look at it, the two biggest superfoods in the West are ashwagandha and turmeric, right? Wow. So, so India has exported Ayurveda to the US and now US is exporting superfoods, which is actually Ayurveda, right? It's come full circle. It's really funny. Same thing happened with yoga, right? Yoga was not cool in India. We, then the US stole it and now the US is re-importing it back to us, right? <laughs> Saying that here yeah, this is cool in a nicer packaging. Take some yoga, right? So. Yeah. You know, uh, I saw that happening in the US anyway. Right? So the idea was that why, why doesn't the Indian company take the lead, right? Why doesn't the Indian company be in the front, forefront of this? This is something which is our heritage. There's something which is our knowledge, right? We, we should be owning this. Hmm. So when we initially launched, it was a very simple thought process, right? The thought process was that, okay, let's go through a food, food form factor. We'll start with juices, right? Hmm. Something that I love to do, uh, Rajiv, is that I love to speak to customers. I think very often in businesses, and I saw this in Bednar as well, right? 
you you don't have enough of a close connection with your customer and sometimes they lose that that gap right so in vietnam the only thing we were always obsessed about was quality 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 like my whole generation my family was obsessed with buying the raw material the right manufacturing process the right efficacy which is very important and which is why the company is kind of is where it is today right but nobody cared about marketing no one cared about it right and i think it was important if you talk to the customer of course the customer uh, loves the quality the customer loves the product but when they try it how do you get consumer trials to increase yeah. right so i noticed yeah. in my stint in vietnam that there was a gap where you know we didn't understand what how to get to the customer properly so in kapiva i made it a sort of a uh, thing that i need to speak to customers every week so started to call 20 30 customers every week pretending to be a customer care executive and started talking to them and understanding why they taking the current product what they don't like about the current product what they don't like about other company products that they taking right and the big thing that came up post post our first product is that ayurveda is associated with bad taste right mm-hmm. first association is ayurveda taste bad so oh, nobody young, nobody young wants to take it right at 25 you don't care if you the new one gram of sugar but if you care if something tastes horrible right yeah uh, you know ayurveda is also associated with not a clear outcome right they like okay what what is the clear outcome right so wow, people this who, is this is quite quite an insight you're right absolutely you're right i mean we we you, people want immediate gratification you know yes no correct yeah so we designed started designing a products accordingly then right so the next product we launched were a shakes right so a shakes are a shake you can mix in a water or milk you know it has all your micro uh, micronutrients micronutrients and ayurvedic herbs right just mm. in that one shake you get your entire dosage of ayurvedic herbs taste good mm. very easy to consume very mm. convenient right and at the same time we positioned it to solve a certain problem which is mm. measurable so the kind of problem we solve now are uh, energy right so you get a little pick me up something like a mm-hmm. brahmi ashwagandha gives you a pick me up uh, within a couple of days makes you feel better right mm-hmm. uh, you know digestion so if you mm-hmm. take amla etc for a week immediately your system will improve mm-hmm. uh, skin and hair right so the biggest issue with skin and hair we apply things on top uh, you know external externally but the biggest problem is actually nutrition you lose yeah. hair the skin goes bad because of nutrition right and That's eating right. things like aloe and amla actually you can see results within a week right so we made our product in such a way where we are talking to a younger consumer who is having more mm. lifestyle problem where things are measurable we like don't trust us wait for the results right and we tried to make we package the product in such a way where it was not only convenient but tasty right so the next our next launch like i said was our gummies uh, sorry our uh, shakes a shake started mm-hmm. doing very well post the shakes we launched something called the first herbal gummies so they are gummies that you can have each wow. gummy has 1 gram of sugar right but it has a full dosage of amla full dosage of aloe that you need right and it's wow. tasty convenient easy right so you know on one end we realized we have a customer who saying that okay i am a purist i just want the clean amla juice i just want the clean mm-hmm. wheatgrass juice i want no sugar but on one mm-hmm. end we have a customer who is like i don't mind having one gram of sugar but i'm not going to take the taste of amla right uh, so you know we started making a product more and more and more accessible uh, more and more convenient and more and more easy to take right so finally now we launched two new products that have just done a soft launch uh, it's the first ayurvedic breakfast right so this is basically 
uh, a multi-grain breakfast with Ayurvedic herbs that taste really, taste really good, right? And then we've also launched now our effervescent, which is like a powder mixed in water and you drink. So the idea now going forward is convenience and taste. Walk me through this Ayurvedic breakfast. It's something very, very interesting. I, and did you pick this up from your customer conversations? Absolutely. So it came from the customer conversation. Uh, but of course, we did a bunch of research around what is the right way to do it. So the insight that came from the customer was that, you know what, uh, with your juice, I have to remember to take it every morning, right? Mm. When I wake up. Sometimes I forget, right? With your shake, I have to remember to drink it every day, right? Sometimes I forget. Can you do something where I don't have to remember? Mm. Automatically in my daily life, I'm consuming my Ayurvedic herbs, right? And we thought about it. What is a good way of doing this? Where we don't have to actually create an extra event for the consumer, but just include it into the daily life. And the immediate thing that we kind of, we did a bunch of research and we came back with the idea of breakfast. So in every uh, every sort of, so we've created a breakfast, we've taken nine months to create this product. So we're quite proud of it. But uh, if you read like the description of it, we've like every single thing that the customer asked for, we put in that product, right? So customer wow. asked for low calories, right? It's 160 calories. Customer asked for high protein. Customer asked for high fiber. Customer asked mm. for full dosage of Ayurvedic herbs. So we have amla, mm. we have uh, uh, turmeric, and we have giloy in the product, right? Customer mm. asked for uh, that I should also have some micronutrients like zinc and vitamin C. Mm. So we added that as well, right? Mm. Customer asked for that, okay, should have a lot of satiety. Should not just be one mm. grain, you know, because multi-grain is much healthier. So we went and did the research, what are the best grains for you? So oats mm. is there. But we also all uh, added amaranth, we added green gram, we added barley, which are very, very high in satiety, very high in fiber, high in protein, you know, and mm. absorbed much healthier for you. So we actually went back, took a bunch of problems, made sure the product is something which is truly differentiated, you know, and kind of launched this product where you can get your entire dosage of Ayurveda and also have a very, very healthy breakfast, which is also very tasty, right? Uh, initially, you know, when we went to the... Uh, R&D team, we're like, this is what we want. They're like, are you crazy? <laughs> How is this possible, right? You can't have a, a healthy, tasty uh, Ayurvedic breakfast, right? Ayurvedic herb taste bag, how bad, how are you going to do it? But I we, know. we figured it out. We found taste, we went and we actually helped develop something called tasteless extracts, right? Where the active ingredient is present, but the actual taste is, uh, taste of the herb is reduced, right? Uh, so we actually went through a lot of R&D, uh, and kind of came up with this kind of breakfast product. And the insight came from a customer, absolutely. Fantastic. Didn't know your story, you know, at close quarters. The thing, family, which has been in Ayurveda for generations. Okay. I mean, what if you what if you did not grow up in the family? What I mean, as an individual, would you have looked at it similarly? What would have been the starting position for you? Sure. Because you know, what you're telling me is fantastic, but now I know you've done a lot of daily grind. We so different, yet the source of the emotion and the core is the same. I'm saying that was your core, but you expressed it differently and you had your own learning curve. And, and if you saw yourself today and maybe your co-founder, you know, he's not from the same background. I just want to understand when you think about it, you've done your education, you work there. This was natural or you are thinking now, you know, um, you're glad where you are. Obviously, you can leverage your family's experience. But how does that strike you when you reflect in a reflective mode? 
No, absolutely. I think my experience in the family was invaluable, right? Uh, I think uh, a lot of things that we've done today, you know, I like to say, of course, and we have created this business as a standalone business, right? Okay. It's a completely independent entity. But definitely, if it wasn't for my background, there's a lot of things you would have gotten wrong. There's a lot of things you would have taken a lot longer to learn as well, right? I'll give you some very simple examples, right? The insight that I came into regarding this business, right? Where the gaps were, where the opportunities were, you know, it would have taken me years to figure out if I hadn't had my, or, or maybe I would have never figured out, honestly, if I hadn't had that background. The whole insight about how to use Ayurveda correctly, which is, which is the birth of the company, you know, came from the fact that I grew up in an Ayurvedic household, right? That, uh, you know, I, I know that, like, I've seen how Ayurveda is consumed at home. And hence, I was able to kind of come up with that hypothesis, right? On top of that, on a practical level as well, you know, the biggest challenge, Rajiv, in Ayurveda is sourcing, right? Mm. So, buying the right raw materials at, at the right time from the right place. And finally, at the right price also, right? That is a huge challenge, right? And that is a learning in the supply chain side. It's a big learning that I came into the business with, right? That I knew I had my Vedna network of suppliers. I had my Vedna network of manufacturers. So walking into the business with that ready and prepared, right? That is something which is invaluable. Right? That would have taken, I think, we, if you would have to start this without my background, probably two, three years more to be where we are right now. Honestly, if we would have ever got here. So I do, I'm very, very grateful for you know, having that kind of background and being able to leverage it. Tell me, uh, you mentioned supply chain and I'm just thinking aloud that, you know, we as consumers are now getting more and more sensitive to how things are produced and where is the source coming from. I mean, I think the West is clearly, you, know, you have those marks, you know, uh, yeah. you know, it's all organic. And you think now, because of the family's generation's uh, involvement with the supply chain and your insistence. And I'm sure a lot of good FMCG companies are also doing the same, you know, milk. And I, 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 I saw that you do DC uh, of A2 milk. And I, I, you know, it's something which did strike me. But are you seeing the supply chain also come up to standards because people believe that this will be a better commercial uh, you know, commercially for them and therefore there's an audience and therefore there's a pushback on the supply chain. Are you, are you sensing that, that today there's a lot more uh, awareness in the suppliers? In Ayurveda, it's a very different uh, setup, right? You're buying from farmers, there's no large suppliers, right? You need to develop your supply chain. So we yeah. have a very sort of collaborative and hand-holding approach where we work with them and that's why our suppliers scale with us. That's why mm. our suppliers keep on supplying to us at the right price, you know, yeah. even even if tomorrow somebody else comes and say, hey, can I buy from you? They'll say, no, we, we, we grew up with Kapiva. No, we grew up with, and that's how Bedna did it as well. That's something I learned from Bedna, right? And so we've been able to maintain quality uh, and, you know, sort of scalability in the supply chain through, you know, working across the line in a very close way, right? Uh, regarding stamps, you know, things like organic and things like that, right? Now, organic is a valuable thing, Raji, right? But at the end of the day, I think organic has also become somewhat of a gimmick. Right. Mm. Some of our products we do do we do organic, right? So, for example, organic jaggery, right? It makes sense, right? Because jaggery is something which is potentially could potentially be an issue, right? If it's yeah. grown anywhere, pesticides, just that, right? Organic ghee, right? Uh, we do organic ghee, and that does make sense because grass-fed. Don't don't want to feed the cow. If you feed the cow well, the milk is healthy, right? Simple as that. Mm. So, 
and a lot of thing we do do organic but in a lot of sort of herbal products organic is actually irrelevant right so um the amla we buy for example is wild amla we don't we buy something called wild amla it's also grown as chota amla so it's smaller but it's much more nutritionally dense right mm-hmm. and it's grown in the wild and you go and you basically get a license to pick it so different different people can pick certain amount of it right and you buy it directly from them slightly more expensive but it's much healthier yeah. right but of course that will never be organic certified because uh, it's grown in the wild right but actually yeah. speaking you can't get more organic than that because <laughs> it's yeah. completely in a it's grown in a forest right so you can't really so a lot of our items like atulsi is wild uh, our uh, honey is wild honey so we try to actually look at uh, very sustainably picking out wild ingredients which are actually the healthiest Uh, you can get right so a lot of people try to sell everything as organic right yeah. but but uh, that's not the answer to everything certain things definitely uh, it helps but you have to look at each ingredient in a supply chain and understand yeah. what's the ideal kind of uh, way to kind of procure it your four years now what was the period when you really felt you know it was not working or you felt i mean what was that period when you really had to kind of go back to your uh, some inner strengths something really didn't work i mean in spite of all the background and and the perseverance you had absolutely so uh, so we started the business actually 3 years ago right in the current after like end of 2017 just less just below 3 years yeah. uh, and when we launched initially we actually got a fantastic product market fit so we launched initially in delhi bombay bangalore right mm-hmm. and We we launched primarily offline initially. Online was a smaller mm-hmm. part of the business, right? And we placed it. We placed our product in about 600 stores, right? And we we saw great movement, great sale, and we were like, wow, this is a huge opportunity, right? Uh, I've never seen a product market fit like this. Let's invest. Let's grow very quickly, right? Mm-hmm. So within four five months, right, we grew from three four cities to 50 cities, right? Mm-hmm. And we grew from 500 stores to 10 10,000 stores, something like that, right? Uh, but that was a big mistake we grew too quickly too fast right what we found is that in specially smaller towns there was no mm-hmm. oversight you know sales people were going and dumping stock at uh, at uh, retailers they were not putting the right product at the right location uh, there was no oversight in terms of collections right mm-hmm. so you know we actually reached a point in early 2018 where we were like okay what the hell is going on right mm-hmm. so it was a very scary point time in the business we were like we just started and there's so much going on that the outstanding numbers don't make sense uh, we are in so many cities are these guys going to the market how are we running the safety mm. and it was a tough time it was a time where you know we were like what do we do literally then what we did was we were like, okay we need to sort this out we took the hard decision at that time luckily our online business was trying to pick up right mm. we had that balance so we took the hard decision at that time that okay we don't want to be in 40 You don't want to be in fifty cities. We're going to shut down twenty-five, thirty cities, right? Uh, because this doesn't make sense. We grew too quickly. We need to offline business needs to be controlled and needs to be monitored very closely. Payments need to be monitored very closely, right? So me and Shrey ourselves flew from region to region to region, called in every salesperson, spoke to every salesperson for half an hour, forty-five each to judge minutes each to judge what that person was. Was it good, bad? What he was doing? Went to distributors, visited them individually. Understood what the problems were, wrapped mm. up. If we thought the distributor not viable, wrapped up the distributor, negotiated mm. the closing, took the stocks back, mm. and we spent five six months just cleaning up this like kind of mess we had made in these twenty five sort of cities. 
got it it was a very very taxing ordeal and honestly it was not great because end of the day we could have spent that time growing the business instead of mm. cleaning up cleaning this up right at the same time uh, it was really a big learning experience right so i'll give you fast forward 2 years later to today right mm. are we realized that offline is not a channel where you can grow from 0 to 100 like this right you have yeah. to so now we have technology in every part of the offline network so before mm. you choose what new store to place a product in before you choose what products to put in that you know, in that store mm. your secondary your primary your uh, location of the retailer your mm. uh, uh, eco your turn on all of this is tracked through a software that we have built in across the entire sales network we brought uh, we've been solely solely working on this but a year ago even after cleaning up the mess we were at about a 40 days outstanding for a gt visit right since then we've grown three times and outstanding is down to 21 days right accredited so we really kind of put a lot of time effort money into streamlining that after that and now for the first time after all of that mess you know i'm happy to say that uh, offline channel is a finally a profitable channel uh, for the first time last month uh which is which was a very big deal for for us you know we keep talking about online offline and and what you highlighted on the offline is extremely good insight how is your online build and what's the relationship you're seeing online is online awareness building and now actual sales and it's also is it driving your offline inquiries so uh so online i'll divide it divide it into two pieces right one is our own website and one is marketplaces you know let's say amazon your big baskets etc right mm-hmm. now i would say your amazon and big baskets are a profitable channel for us right so it's already bit the positive uh it requires it doesn't require a sales force uh, doesn't requ- a lot of investment which you require on offline is not required in online right so it's a profitable channel mm-hmm. uh, it's a scalable channel because the traffic there is driven by amazon right mm-hmm. so amazon is driving the traffic Mm. the reason why online works so well for us is that mm-hmm. we are a high involvement category right so people want to understand more about the product what it mm. does what are the benefits and online gives you the opportunity to actually read uh, in detail and get more information before you actually purchase anything right yeah online for a new business and for a category like ours has been a great fit right so we've seen fantastic growth uh, about 70% of our business today is online led right? Uh, and, and it's a significant chunk to today we are roughly if you look at a gmb point of view roughly about 80 90 crore business right uh, and, and out of that we have about 70% of our sales coming from online right uh, within online uh, our marketplaces are a place where there is some demand creation so we partner with platforms to do demand creation sometimes but majority a platform would be bottom of the funnel right because the traffic is being driven by your amazon or a big basket and then yeah. you're presenting as one of the options that the consumer has right to pick from so that's yeah. when your reviews is like truck kicking right the website is very interesting so that can actually lead to top of the funnel demand creation right so you Got can it. actively you know market to people you can reach out to you know people through facebook google uh, we use very often influencers as well you know to kind of reach out to people and mm-hmm. you can actually uh, educate people about the product and then bring them in to the brand as a whole so we see a lot of first time customer acquisition happening through our own website right mm. 
so that's how we look at it. And we, of course, now, you know, Rajiv, like it's an omni-channel world, right? So we talk mm. to our customers. We find a customer has first time come in through a website, then has gone and bought on Amazon, and then has found, oh, it's available downstairs, and started buying it downstairs, right? So I, I think customers are no longer offline and online, right? They are just looking for convenience. Yes. So end of the day, being available to the customers yeah. the most important thing. That's the way we look at it. No, it's a it's a very very nice way of putting it because in many of our minds we treat offline and online as distinct, but other the customer doesn't care. Uh, and but yeah, there are different I think different purposes of each channel, and you can marry the two. Yeah. What next, Amif? I mean, you you know, Touchwood's been what you've shared with me is a is a startup's dream. You know, uh, I know you've got your own uh, pain points and scars, but what next for you? This is a great category. In, and the good part is that I think it's got a potentially a global appeal uh, because Indians settle overseas plus non-Indian, you know, which is a great fascination. I spent a lot of time in China and I know that Chinese, you know, traditional medicine had a huge, uh, huge following even outside of the Chinese speaking world. So what next for you? Uh, I mean, how are you facing yourself? Sure. Uh, you know, and what are the constraints you see along the way? No, so Raji, first of all, to your point, absolutely agree. Uh, it's been a fantastic journey, right? Uh, I think, you know, when we look back and we see our growth, I think uh, you can literally, I can, I, on my fingers, I can count FMCG startups that have scaled the way we have, right? So I think mm-hmm. the journey has been fantastic and we are very blessed and proud to and you know, touched to have been able to make it here. Uh, I think definitely the idea now is to grow very aggressively. So right now, if you see where the company's grown, uh, we've grown with, you know, the sort of consumers who are very, very prone to Ayurveda, right? Mm-hmm. So even till 150 crores or 200 crores, you see the journey where we have some somewhat low hanging fruit, mm-hmm. very easy to convert a consumer. There are a lot of consumers, especially, so you find a lot of youngsters who consume Ayurveda as a, in their youth, have a very positive thought process about Ayurveda. But there's no company speaking to them, right? So converting that customer has been relatively easy, right? So you would call them fence-sitters, but they are more leaning towards, they're almost falling on the Ayurveda side, right? They're fence-sitters because, you know, they don't don't have a relevant brand. Those customers have been relatively cheap and easy to convert for us, right? Mm -hmm. And we've had very, very strong retention, right? From a business point of view, our retention levels are 50% plus, right? Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that also allows us to grow very aggressively. So we acquire customers, retain them very well and acquire new customers, right? So having said that, we see a very clear journey to 150, 200 crore, right? Uh, going forward, the idea now, uh, how do we get to the 500 crore mark, right? Uh, so let me leave, around, leave aside the uh, international question for now. I'll address that at the end. But on the 500 crore mark, the idea now is that there's two ways of doing this, right? How do you acquire that new bunch of customers? That's a big question, right? One is to wait and kind of slowly, slowly build it up, word of mouth. Then that's about, let's say, seven to eight year journey to 500 crore. Right? What we're looking to do is that we're actually looking to raise some money, right? And invest into content and brand. You know, we're not going to be your typical sort of TV advertising, your typical kind of, but what we're going to invest that money into is we're going to invest into building, making the customer understand who we are, right? So use online channels, kind of talk to them and create content, you know, to help consumer make their decisions, right? So yeah. consumers who are, who are on the fence, 
some as you go deeper and deeper them they need more and more data they need more and more insight right so providing that to the insight through a website through amazon through branding through youtube whatever it is right so create a strategy where we can invest that money into brand building and content right yeah. uh, so that's the sort of plan we have we see a very clear strategy to hit about 4 500 crore as a company in the next 4 to 5 years right so that's why we're moving to right now in the domestic market yeah uh, regarding the global market uh, rajiv honestly you're bang on probably the opportunity might even be larger right in in a place like say like the us mm. uh, but you know honestly when i started this business there was a personal angle to it as well you know i wanted to do something for indians by indians you know yeah uh, that you know i mean i thought about it a lot of the products we produce a lot of was from the point of view that okay we need good nutrition in india right so you know initially there was no question that i wanted to have a india focused business right mm-hmm. now it's been about almost 3 years we've been growing pretty well and the idea is that what next is the is international markets on our agenda yes are we going to do it immediately probably not because you know i studied in the us right my sister lives there uh i even we even had a couple of people approach us from the us to partner with them right but and i went and i spent a couple of weeks there to understand the market right and what i understood rajiv was that it's a totally different business you know uh the mistakes that a lot of indian firms make is that they take the product from india and try to sell the exact same product to the us but the end of the day the customers different the customers wants and needs are different the distribution channels are different the market is different right so to build a business in the us you have to reimagine the business right you have to create a us centric business and almost like creating a new business right trying to transplant a india business in the us makes no sense right then you have no right to win then there's someone who's sitting there doing the who'll do the same thing who's understand that market understand the consumer better than you and they'll win and we've always been like one of the in the heart of the business has always been consumer centricity right i myself personally talk to so many consumers so without having that conviction of myself knowing the consumer and what they want I, we didn't feel comfortable, you know, launching the US yet. However, as time goes by, as the India business gets more stable, you know, as we raise a large round, we definitely, you know, it's in, the idea is there that how can we explore this opportunity? Uh, it's not fully crystallized yet, but it's something which we have in the back of our mind. Hmm. I think a lot of customer centricity, you know, has been lost in FMCG because people have had it too good, right? And I'm saying this coming from a from a business background, right? there was no potential competition so no one like you know worried so much about innovation no one worried so much about customer right and you know even companies like large multi billion dollar companies right uh, who you know should have, from the outside look like they are very, very customer centric they're not right but they are waking up to it for the first time to some extent today but for them to become so agile so quickly going to be a big challenge right so the exact numbers slipping my mind but i think roughly about 40 to 45% of india do this toothpaste on a daily basis right now the next 20% of the people who end up buying toothpaste or the next 30% of the people end up buying toothpaste will it be the exact same model that is being working now probably not you need to understand that consumer you need to figure out that how to make the product relevant for them maybe it's a different formulation with a cheaper product maybe the the way you use like you know the basic us so i'll give you like a consulting firm once colgate went to a consulting firm right and colgate asked him how do i increase my sales and the consulting firm turned around and said okay make the mouth bigger so every time somebody uh, takes the toothpaste they'll consume more right so suddenly the sales went up by 10% because people are consuming 10% more 
that yeah. kind of model, capitalistic model, will not be the best model for the next 20%. Right? That's you need right. to figure out if you want to onboard that consumer, consumer, you have to kind of bring that value consciousness into the heart of the business. You need to That's innovate, right. you know, you need to figure out a different way of doing it, right? So I think there's a lot of opportunity to innovate and for new brands to be created, right? So that's something which I find very exciting. And I think this is true for almost all businesses, right, in India. Nowadays, I try not to bring Corona in the conversation because we need to move forward while we take care of our health. Uh, the, the, the inflection on online consumption, online awareness, has it impacted your business and your mode of operations positively? No, absolutely. So uh, I think one thing we had to do very quickly was sort out our supply chain. Right. Uh, I think the day after lockdown, I was spending 14 hours a day just worrying about manufacturing, uh, logistics and warehousing. There was nothing else I was worried about. Uh, and, you know, bringing in flexibility, I think it's a big learning for us, right? That, you know, in good times, you feel nothing can go wrong, right? So you don't build so much flexibility into your mm. system. Uh, you mm. don't build any backups. Uh, you know, you feel everything just keep working perfectly. But I think a learning, big learning has been to bring in flexibility to whatever you do. You know, and agility, we've always thought important from a branding, marketing, distribution point of view, but never from a supply chain point of view before, right? Mm-hmm. So the big sort of improvement, I would say, in the company has been on the supply chain side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually made us a lot more efficient, right? Our costs have mm-hmm. actually come down, right? Because we realized we were wasting money, which we didn't need to, mm-hmm. right? So, so it made us focus on what's the most important, right? Uh, in terms of the inflection point, right? So online is something which is grown... Uh, a decent amount, right? Uh, but we also seen good tailwinds in the category. So combination of both online and the category. So we've seen good, right. growth, good growth in the last couple of months. But having said that, Ajay, uh, we've been growing at the same, we're growing at the same pace this year as we were growing last year, right? Wow. So, I, so I'm sure some of it is part, as you get larger and larger, it does get more mm. and more difficult to grow, right? I, I, uh, that's right. true. But, uh, yeah. you know, definitely there is some tailwind, right? Which has come from online, uh, I think like that, but uh, we've always been an online digital first business, right? So we decided to take that path a year and a half ago, or two years ago, right? And uh, we've always kind of looked at digital as our DNA, right? And we are omni-channel for sure, and we'll continue to be available. So we are available in about 8,000 locations offline today, right? And that number will keep growing, but up, up to the three 400 crore mark, we will still be primarily online, right? Talking to people like you and people who you know, embody a new India because we, we learn a lot. I mean, I've been writing copious notes of some of the things you said because they resonate with, seriously, they resonate with me because when we look at banks, we are, oh, this bank is blah, you know, that firm is blah because, you know, we have this friendly rivalry in our minds. Sometimes when you look outside your category, you get more inspiration. 